on the road again I just can't wait to get on the road again The life I love is making music with my friends Hello and welcome to this episode of Travel Stories from the Back Again and Gone podcast, still being recorded in the beautiful home office of Chateau Relaxo, Florida, and still continuing our series of stories from home because there's still not a lot of us traveling. However, tonight we're going to talk about summer travel. Thanks for listening. Hello. If you are a new listener, welcome. If you are a returning listener, welcome back. Before we get on to tonight's topic, let's have a quick recap of the last week of June 2020 in Florida. Over the weekend, the Sahara sandstorm hit us, bringing haze and oppressive heat to the state. Due to the COVID, we've closed all of our bars Again, we hit a one-day new high of over 9,000 new COVID cases. And oh yes, let's not forget the meth gators. They're back in the news. For you unfamiliar with the meth gators, they are the hyper-aggressive gators fueled by meth flushed down the toilet. I have two quick questions, and I don't think they could be answered. Is there that much of a difference between an aggressive gator and a hyper-aggressive gator? And honestly, is there that many Floridians flushing meth down the toilet that it actually affects these little prehistoric beasts? Like I said, I don't think that either one of those can be answered. If you want to fly in our anti-mask, book on budget flight airline carrier Allegiant because they don't require passengers to wear face masks, possibly the only U.S. major airline with such a policy. And they are probably a bit more progressive than most of the other airlines uh, from their Going the Distance Health and Safety webpage. Allegiant has begun providing customers with complimentary health and safety kits upon arriving. Each kit includes a single-use face mask, disposable gloves, non-latex, and two sanitizing wipes. So hats off to you, Allegiant. I've never flown you. It's one of those airlines that I really, truly want to take a $29 flight on someday. Just make sure my uh, insurance is completely up to date. Time for my old guy rant. Disposable non-latex gloves. Non-latex. Seriously, where did we go wrong that we now live in the world of disclosures or full disclosure, I guess you should say? Nut-free, gluten-free, dairy-free. Honestly, where does it end? You know, being born in 1964, I'm at the tail end of the baby boomers. We consider ourselves pretty tough. You know, we ate whatever was served to us, including peanut butter cookies. We drank out of the garden hose. And I just don't know what went sideways over the last 40 or 45 years. Here's one for all you rule breakers out there. Guest smoking, not wearing a mask, forces WestJet flight to land in Winnipeg over the weekend. Officers were called last Sunday afternoon when a WestJet flight traveling from Vancouver to Toronto was forced to land in Winnipeg due to an unruly passenger. They were advised that this male had lit up a cigarette on board and was also not listening to any of the directions from the flight crew 
which included to don his personal safety mask. I'm guessing if this guy's lighting up a butt on a plane, he's probably not going to listen to you about wearing a mask and how else is he going to smoke a cigarette? Police say that 60-year-old man from Surrey, British Columbia, Balvar Singjay, was arrested and taken into custody. He's been charged with several offenses, including failing to comply with a flight crew's instructions to wear a mask. According to Transport Canada, it is the first time somebody has been charged with this offense, which carries a maximum of $5,000. Maybe Balvar is from Surrey, British Columbia, and not Surrey, British Columbia. But how epic is it to sit back in the seat, open up your pack of non-filtered camels, and spark one up just like you were living in 1971? Balvar's going to have to break out his checkbook on this one because this is going to be mounting up very expensive very quickly. When I was born, I did not receive the sports chip in my brain and more on chips in the brains in a little bit. I'm not a huge sports guy, but I can tell by flipping through the channels that ESPN is showing games that are 20 and 30 years old, as well as cornhole championships and some other epic sports. And I'm sure if you are a competitive sports junkie and you miss the chance to bet on things, you're probably losing your mind. Well, head over to my bookie, and I'm not sure if it's mybookie.com or .org, uh, but you can bet on the July 4th Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest, and you can do the over-under on total number of dogs eaten. For men, the over-under is 71 and a half. For women, it's 37 and a half. And then you can also wager on whether Joey Chestnut will win the 2020 contest or will the contest go into an overtime heat-off. We're considering a little day trip around here this weekend to go visit the villages. No, we're not relocating. We're investigating a rumor. And if you're not familiar with the villages, here are the highlights. It's the villages in central Florida. covers about three counties, uh, about 20 miles south of Ocala, probably about 45 miles northwest of Orlando. And it is an over 55 planned community which means there's not a ton of little rugrats running around. This is where the Midwestern folk like to retire. There's right around 40 golf courses across the property. They get a solid stock of entertainers coming to town, such as Willie Nelson, the Beach Boys, Little River Band, Ray Stevens, Kitty G. The neighboring stores, uh, such as Kohl's and Target's, are well and better stocked than the ones we have down here in Orlando. Being Florida, you know there has to be some controversy associated with the villages. The first is that most everybody there gets around in golf carts. In 2017, deputies busted up a three-person golf cart chop shop theft ring. It swiped upwards of 30 carts a month from unsuspecting residents and then resold them for cash. And of course, the sheriffs or deputies found some Florida fuel, some meth, as well as heroin in the home. Now, it literally wasn't the elderly people that were uh, manning or maintaining the uh, theft ring. It was relatives of theirs that happened to be living there. Thank you, Florida. There's also been another long circulated rumor that the Villages has the highest number of STDs in the country. And if you think about it, it makes sense. you got a combination of a bunch of old single people and modern-day male performance drugs. And that rumor plays a little bit into the focus of our day trip. And what we want to focus on our day trip is the Lufa Code. A new term to you, I guess, but in Florida, as I call it, God's waiting room, old folks have been tying loofahs or scrunchies on their car antennas for years. 
the reason is that it makes it much easier to find your car in a sea of white and silver four-door sedans. Well, the LUFA quote-unquote code is used so the swingers in the villages can easily identify each other. And the code follows the color of the LUFA affixed to your car or golf cart. So if you have a white LUFA, you are a novice and a beginner. If you have a purple LUFA, <laughs> you're a voyeur and people who like to watch. If it's a pink LUFA, you're into soft swapping, people who like to do it with others in the room goes all the way up to a black LUFA, which is a full swap. Those who say, what the hell, let it all go down. And of course the teal LUFA, which is for bisexual, for those who want to increase their dating chances. So you can see how this plays into the STD rumor. So our plan is to roll through there this weekend and see what we see and see if this really is a bunch of uh, different colored LUFAs running around the streets of the villages. On to tonight's focus, summer travel. Summer is here and the kiddos are out of school, even though they've been home for damn near the whole year. While most of us have been working from home, which some of us would call a staycation, being in the greater Orlando area, which is the tourist capital of the world, that's probably BS, but it sounds good. And besides, I mean, if somebody gave you the choice of coming to Orlando or to Topeka, Kansas, most everybody's gonna choose O-Town. Sorry, Topeka. In the last month or 45 days, both Universal and Disney have dipped their financial as well as liability toes back into the tourist waters by opening Universal City Walk in Disney Springs. And it seems that this is going well or acceptable according to whatever metric they are using. Universal Studios opened up the parks on June 5th, and it looks like Disney is planning to reopen Disney World July 11th, but Disney Union, and they are union where Universal Studios is not, Disney Union wants to push it back a few more days all the way to July 17th. In full disclosure, all my kids are in their 20s, they all have jobs, and they certainly don't need parents in order to attend any of these parks. For me, I find little joy in waiting in line for anything, especially when the Florida sun is beating down on me. And these parks and everything associated with them are expensive. Even with in-state rates, it is still a big nick to the wallet when you go there. Back to the chips I was talking about. When I was born, I did not receive the I need to go to Disney programming chip. As my life progressed, I didn't acquire the Star Wars chip, the Marvel Comics chip, or the Harry Potter chip. And while those things, the talk of those things, and the movies of those things whip people into an absolute frenzy, it doesn't for me, so I will try to be objective on my thoughts about returning to the theme parks and what is keeping this city alive. Universal has certainly had a few weeks under their belt with the park open, and from what I've heard, everything seems to be okay, question mark. Similar to Universal City Walks, your temperature will be scanned before entering the park, and of course there will be an endless barrage of social distancing signs the park's operating at about 35% of its capacity. Capacity's right at 27,000, so figure uh, eight to 9,000 people. You will be required to wear a mask unless you're having your picture taken with an employee dressed as a character. Employees will be squeezing out an S-ton of sanitizers for your hands before each ride. Rides requiring 3D glasses. An employee is actually gonna hand you the glasses or distribute them instead of you picking them up yourself. 
and they've changed some of the hours. Universal Studios and Islands of Adventures are reduced from 9 to 6 p.m. And from Volcano Bay, which is their big water park, the hours are 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. From most of the pictures I've seen, there are a lot of open seats on rides. And then combine that with the reduced attendance that people don't seem to be complaining about extended wait times. And of course, universal workers are armed with sanitizing spray and will be wiping down damn near everything that doesn't move. I'm willing to bet that the Disney COVID response team, and yes, I'm pretty sure they have a team constructed and it probably has a name somewhere along those lines, has watched what's unfolded at Universal over the past few weeks because they put together some of the guidelines of their own. To enter a park, both a park reservation and a ballot admission for the same park on the same date are required for each person in your party. Booking dates vary based on your plans, which means you can't just show up and buy a ticket. So beginning June 22nd, Disney Resort and other select hotel guests with valid theme parks admissions can make reservations all the way up to uh, Sunday, June 28th, where existing ticket holders can make reservations. And reservations are now available through September of 2021. On Friday, Disney announced special pass holders previews for July 9th and July 10th at the Magic Kingdom and Animal Kingdom theme parks. There will be a handful of things different when Disney reopens in July. Mandatory temperature checks. uh, If it's over 100.4, you will do the walk of shame back to the trolley, which will take you back to your car, back in the parking lot. There's talks that they will also be taking your temperature as you leave. Uh, Face masks are required. Orange County, where we live, reenacted its mask policy. I think it was June 20th. I'm wondering if Disney will sell Disney-themed masks. And oh yeah, it'll be July. You will be in Florida, and it will be hot. There will be a social distancing squad manned by select cast members. As Robbie Morris pointed out on our previous podcast, we saw this at Disney Springs with the stormtroopers acting like legit stormtroopers and telling people what and what they can and cannot do. Uh, Reservations are required for entry. Like we said, you can't just show up, or as they said in the National Lampoon movie, sorry folks, parks closed. There will also be contactless food purchase systems, cashless pay systems, whatever you want to call it. Those are going to be tied to those colorful magic bands that everybody wears. Be careful because those tap and go bands can quickly become tap and broke. No meet and greets. Uh, That's always been the mainstay of a Disney visit, especially if you have a young child. So make sure you realize that before you go. No parades or fireworks. Well, of course, not social distancing. Reduced capacity around the parks, including stores and restaurants. Water effects will be limited, if not eliminated. These are closed due to the fact that they attract crowds. The CDC has reported that COVID isn't spread through pools or hot tubs. And finally, the interactive play areas will be remaining closed, again, to discourage crowds. So that's kind of my take on summer travel to the theme parks 2020. I hope you enjoyed it. And as I want to say, travel safe. But until then, I'll stick with stay safe. And thanks for listening. Hey, wait a second. Don't go. Make sure you check out all the blogs over at HypeAmerica.com. From food to travel to just general life humor, we cover all the topics.
Thanks again. Thank you.